God, I wonder if we realize that when we start to pray, who we're praying to. You see, I'm not just talking out loud in a microphone. I'm not talking into the air to no one. You see, God, when, when we pray, we're talking to the God who has made everything. Talking to the God who has formed every part of who I am and every part of who the people in this room are. God, you are holy and perfect and just and loving, full of grace and compassion. You are all-powerful, all-knowing, and you are everywhere. God, do we get who we're praying to? Lord, I asked that you would be here, that your presence would fall upon this room, that the spirit would move, that the words out of my mouth would not be mine. They would be yours because when they're yours, God, that's when the life change happens. That's when they penetrate our hearts, and that's when we leave different. So, God, may we be aware of who we're about to learn about. May we silent our mouth and open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to understand who we are about to learn about. Because God, I believe when we open our hearts and our minds to you and let you come in and speak to us, God, it changes everything. This night is yours. We love you. We thank you. You rock. In Jesus' name pray. Amen. Okay, so I want to do a little recap real fast because like half of you were gone last week at this thing called Fields of Faith, which I heard was awesome. And our own very Ben Gertis spoke at it and I heard he rocked it. So shout out to Ben Gertis. I can't see you, but you're out there somewhere. Hello. Hello, Ben Gertis. All right, real fast. If you were here last week, raise your hand. Um, I said that God created us for three different reasons. Can anybody name one of them? Ooh, he wanted to love us. Yes. So God made us just so he could love us. Crazy. What's another one? Yeah. Yes, talking. We wanted, God made us so we could be in a relationship with him. Awesome. Very good. There was a third reason God made us. Relationship, object of his love. Anybody remember the third one? So glad my teaching is sticking. Yeah. No, just kidding. That was a joke. No one laughed. All right. The third one was to glorify God's name. In other words, we are made to praise and give honor and acknowledge how awesome God is. Not how awesome your favorite football player is. All right? We were made to glorify God. All right. Then we talked about really fast. Adam and Eve were made and they had this. They had this relationship. They had the love. They were glorifying God's name. And then they decided that those things weren't enough. They needed to add something else. And so they took a bite of some fruit, and it's from the tree of knowledge and good and evil in the garden. And God had warned them that if you ate fruit from this tree, you would surely die. And so because of that, God says, you have to leave the garden because I can't let you stay and eat from another tree in the garden. And that was the tree of life. And if you ate from that tree, you would live forever. You see, God said sin would equal death. And that was Adam and Eve's future. But God left behind a clue on how he was going to fix it all. Does anybody remember what clue he gave Adam and Eve on how he was going to fix it? Any of you leaders can shout out if you know this. Yes, nice. So he killed the first animal and he clothed Adam and Eve. So a death was paid for a life. Yes, awesome. All right. Then we did like... We went through a giant span of history, remember? We did Adam and Eve, 
and then we went through a bunch of generations, and we got to Abraham. And God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation that blesses this entire earth. And then we went through Abraham to a guy named Joseph who took his family to Egypt. And they were there for 400 years, and they were slaves to the Egyptians until a guy named Moses shows up and tells Pharaoh to let God's people go. And then God sends ten plagues to show everybody that he and he alone is God. And can anybody remember the last plague? What happened? What happened? Someone came. What? The flies was not the tenth one. That was one of the plagues. Yeah. It was a plague. Which one? Yeah, Passover. Why does it have to be a Passover? Yeah. Yeah, they were going to kill the firstborn son. So this plague was coming. And because even Israel had sinned and therefore deserved death, this plague was coming. And that, yes, that was really good. And God had a plan to save them. And she said it over here. And this was his plan. God says to the Israelites, hey, you're going to take a lamb. It's going to be a year old. It's going to be male. It's going to be perfect. You're going to kill it. You're going to take the blood and put it over the doorway post so that when God comes through Egypt and he sees the blood, he's going to pass over your door so everyone in your house is saved. And they're going to celebrate this festival called the Passover. You're so clever. A plus to those people who said that. All right. So, and then, again, life of the lamb was shed so other lives could live. The lights can go down now. Thanks, Nikki. All right. So, that's where we were at last week. Good memory for those who remember. That's awesome. All right. So then we're out of Egypt, right? And the people are going to the promised land with Moses. And they get to the promised land finally. And then we see this pattern, like literally from like Exodus through all these giant books of the Old Testament. We see this pattern. Okay, ready? See if this is ever like you. The people of God whine and complain. So then God does something miraculously to provide for them. Then the people of God say, well, we can do it better than God. So they start a rebellion. God shuts it down. They say they're sorry. They follow God. The people of God then disobey God. And their enemies surround them. They freak out. They say, we're so sorry, God. We should follow you instead. We should have been obedient. Then God comes and saves them. Then the people of God start to worship false gods. God gets mad because he knows that when we follow anybody who isn't God, then we will be unfulfilled because only God can really fulfill the deepest core of who we are. The people forgot that disobedience led to death and that only obedience to God would lead to life. And God warned them, yo, if you don't stop following, yeah, yo is in the Bible, if you don't stop following these false gods, your enemies are going to come and take you away from the promised land. And they don't listen. And they worship false gods and their enemies come and take them away to a false land, to another land. Now, God does not leave them in their enemy territory. God performs miracles after miracles. Because he remembers this covenant that he promised Abraham. That through these people, he's going to bless the entire world. And God, unlike his people, keeps his promises. See, God was on a mission to bring everybody on the entire world back to the original mission of why he created us. To be in a relationship with him. To be an object of his love. And then we would glorify his name. So, God brings the people back from their enemies. 
and they start rebuilding the land, and they rebuild a major town called Jerusalem. And then God is silent for 400 years. Does it sound familiar? The Egyptians were slaves in Egypt for about 400-ish years, and now God is silent for 400 years. But they would not say that way. See, now the people, when they were in Egypt, were slaves. And God was telling the world, just as Israel were slaves in Egypt, you are slaves to your sin. You see, in Egypt there wasn't any freedom for the people. They were chained to their owners and they could not get free. And that is the same with sin in us. We don't have freedom when we are chained to sin. Because when we are chained to sin, then we are chained to death. And we cannot break these chains. There is nothing we can do to become sinless. We are stuck in our own Egypt. And the Israelites, they know that they're still slaves to sin, even though they're not in Egypt. You see, because they're still doing that same sacrifice, meaning they're killing an animal to pay for their sins, a death to save a life. But they have to do this all the time. You see, an animal sacrifice doesn't cover all their sins for all their life. An animal sacrifice could not break the chains forever. And it was like the sacrifice was like a band-aid that just covered their outside shame when they needed an inside change. They needed their sins to be completely forgiven and taken away so they could not be chained to it anymore and therefore not chained to death. But God had a plan, just like he did in the Egyptians to save the Israelites. God was on a plan and a mission to save the entire world from death that we caused. He had given the Israelites a preview on how he was going to do that through the Passover lamb in Egypt. But now he was going to do it differently with a different kind of lamb. One sacrifice that would pay for all sins for all people who have ever lived or ever would live. One last sacrifice for mankind. And that Passover lamb was Jesus. See, Jesus was on earth for 33 years now, and he had come to where? Jerusalem. And guess what time Jesus comes into town? It's the time of the Passover celebration. See, people from all over Israel have come to Jerusalem to celebrate this thing that had happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And we find out in Luke 22 that this is the time to celebrate the Passover. So guys, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples just like the 12 tribes of Israel and Egypt were gathered for the Passover. And they would celebrate this. But Jesus does something different this time. You see, Jesus starts telling his disciples, and soon the world would know that he was the true living Passover lamb. So I want to compare the two, okay. So remember the Passover lamb. And there's Jesus. First, the Passover lamb had to be male. Jesus, male. Check. All right, the Passover lamb had to be one years old. Now, if you are a lamb, you are actually in the prime of your life when you are one years old. I know it's mind-blowing to us, but it is. Jesus is 33 years old. He is in the prime of his life. The lamb had to be perfect. Remember, it had to have nothing wrong with it. Jesus had never sinned. Jesus was perfect. We also find out that in the description in Exodus, the lamb's legs could never be broken. We find out when Jesus is hanging on the cross, 
it's actually usual, not unusual for the guards to come and break the legs of the people on the cross so they would die sooner. But when they get to Jesus, he is already dead. And therefore his legs do not need to be broken. And last, the lamb's blood was poured out to put over the doorway. They stick a sword in Jesus' side. And literally it says his blood is poured out. God had literally mapped out for Israel. Listen, Israel, you're my chosen nation. This is how I'm going to save the world. I'm going to show it through a lamb and then I'm going to bring the real one. And then you're going to tell everybody how I did it. That's why they were chosen. The celebration was about to change. Instead of what happened in, celebrating what happened in Egypt, people were going to celebrate what happened with Jesus. Because his body was going to be killed. It would be his blood that would be spilled out so that for those who believe in who he is and what he did, they would now be covered by his blood. Meaning their sins are forgiven forever. And death would pass over us. The chains to death would be broken for all of eternity. That means if you're covered in God's perfect, sinless life, you now stand before God as one without sin. And you didn't do a thing to make it so. Isn't that insane? You did not do one thing to make it so. Through faith, you stand before God as one without sin. See, a real change was coming. No more covering up bandage on the outside, trying to look good for other people. No, God was coming to do a change on the inside. He was bringing his people back to his original purpose. You see, we see that in Mark 15, 37 to 38. It says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The, the, uh, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. I think we have that verse up there. And there it is. Okay. This is so huge. You see, in Hebrews 9, we read about the temple. And that for the Israelites were like, like a church building, right? And in the middle was this place called the most holy place. Or the holies of holies. And you see, God was holy and perfect. Therefore, he couldn't have a presence with his people. And so he kept his presence in the most holies of holies. Because if you went in there, you would surely die. Because you weren't perfect and God was. The minute Jesus breathed his last, that veil that separates the presence of God in that temple from his people was torn in two. Which means God's first purpose for us to be in that, his presence, to be in a walking and talking relationship was accomplished. Huge. See, God was telling everybody, enter my presence. A new unbroken relationship is for you. I think we have that on the screen too. Boom. So, second of all, here's my biggest question. So I'm reading this, and I don't know about you guys, but I had this question in my mind like over and over again. So I kind of give you the entire span of history, right, with people and God. And I said to myself, okay, God, we have done nothing since the very beginning but disobey you turn from you, question you, doubt you, not care about you, put other things in front of you. Why would you, God, when we have sinned against you, send your only son to take our place? We've done nothing right. Why would God do that? We only have, our past is just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years of disobeying God. Turning from him, not caring for him, not wanting to follow him. Why would he save us? And we find this out in this famous John 3.16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. See, God is telling us his second purpose. He's saying, you are the object of my love. And when I send my son to die for you, you cannot doubt that love. Second thing is accomplished. So then my third thing is this. What do we do now? God has done everything. He's made a relationship available. He's literally died for us, showing us how much he loves us. How do we respond to what God has done? And that's when that third purpose comes. We live out God's purpose of glorifying his name, giving him praise and thanks. Not us, not anyone else, but him. Because he did it all. He saved our life. So we use the rest of our life here on earth telling him thank you. We live a life that shows others that we are different on the inside and out because we are covered by the blood of Christ. His spirit lives on us and we are not chained to sin anymore. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And this is the, the message version of it. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, so key, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And what I love is that when my eyes are fixed on God, everything else comes into focus. What's really important and what's not. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. So here's my last thing and I'll be done. See, so many of us think that if we actually do what the Bible says, that if we actually live out this new life given to us, if we are bold and unashamed, if we have this walking, talking relationship with God, that we're going to stand out, get made fun of, and look down upon. We don't want to make waves. We don't want people to know we're different. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. And Kelly, if I actually live out this life, then people are going to notice. I'm going to be the crazy kid at school that talks about Jesus all the time. But here's the thing. Please do not miss this. This is what God has been trying to tell us since the beginning of time. Do not forget this. We aren't the weird and crazy ones. We are actually the ones that are actually living out the life that we were made to live. We are only doing our true purpose. Anyone would be weird or crazy to not live the way we are. We live in an upside down crazy world who wants us to live the way God, who doesn't, who thinks, sorry. We live in an upside down and crazy world who thinks that if we live the way God wants us to is backwards and wrong and not fun and not cool and hinders you. But the way the world lives only leads to death. And the way that God wants us to live, we know lives is different. You see, the way God wants us to live is not backwards. It's our original purpose. It isn't the wrong way. It's the only way. It's not more than fun. It is, it is freeing and then fun. And it is more than cool. It is life-giving. I want you to hear one more story about a leader who experienced God. And because she did, her life was changed. And now she lives unashamed because this is the only way to do it. Let's watch this. 
Growing up, I lived with my mom and my grandma, but if we lived in my grandma's house, we had to go to church. And so for elementary school, that was, that was okay. I can go to church. Kind of got me into the routine of going to church and that was good. Um, but church all in all was not to go get to know God. It was to go see friends. And that was kind of my main focus. So I was just kind of in a routine of going. Um, it was kind of hard because to have a grandma that says you have to go to church and you need to get the word, but to have a mom that says she believes but doesn't really live it out kind of makes it difficult. Um, so still in the routine of going and going, but I'm living with my mom now, which I don't have to go to church, but I still go every Sunday because that's my routine. We got the chance to go to a camp called Kids Across America which was a sports camp, but everything that they did was centered around God. Um, uh, sports, dinner, um, small group meetings, everything. Like We prayed before we did sports, we prayed out of sports. Our cheers were centered around God. That was really important to me because I had never fully grasped the fact that I need to be thankful for the things that God has given me and the talents that he has given me. And so to pray before and to pray after just kind of made my life fully circle around God. And that was very important to me. But the biggest thing that impacted me going to this camp, and I went four years and each year it was different, but the one thing throughout that four years was crosstalk. Crosstalk was a time where after our free free time, we went back to our cabins and kind of cleaned up to go to dinner. We'd finish up dinner, we'd head back to our cabins, kind of freshen up, and we'd go down to crosstalk. And crosstalk was basically our time with God, the most serious night of camp, and camp wasn't serious at all. Um, this was the one thing, the first thing that you saw were your kaleos, and kaleos were the leaders, your youth leaders that brought you to camp. And they would be holding signs like, Jesus died for you, or just many of those things. And we'd go down and we'd take our seats and they would have a skit going, but they would also have the, the passion going on the other side. And it was interesting because it's not like they were, they were acting, yes, but they were physically hitting him. Physically hitting him with the whips and like you could hear it it's still vivid in my brain but like you could hear like skin to back contact and after the skit would kind of go down it would end with Jesus dying on the cross and that kind of just set the mood and lights went down and our director came up and kind of gave us a chance to give our lives to Christ um, or we give your life to Christ and at the end the most important part was walking back up to the main office and ringing the bell saying, I, I give it all to God. Like, God has my life and that's that. But the one thing is that God has been the stability in my life. No matter what's going on over here, what's going on over here, he's been the constant, he's been my rock. I like to put my 
hands in different baskets. I do different things, but like everything that I do is centered around God, and that's the most important part of my life. moment and um, just a little bit of reflection time. So there's not a really big need for you to talk to anybody else but Jesus. So if you want to talk out loud to Jesus, that's fine. But I don't know your heart. I really don't. And I'm honestly not going to even stand up here and try to tell you what is in your heart. But God does. God knows your thoughts and your words. He knows what your pains are and your struggles. The things you hide really deep that you don't want anybody else to know. He knows your doubts and your concerns, what makes you anxious, what makes you worried. He also knows if you're really distant from him right now. You see, God knew you were going to be made before you were made. And he had a plan in motion to come and get you from the mess that we've made. Because that's how much God wants you. He wants you to live a life that maybe it's not the one you've been living because it's better. Maybe there's an area of your life that you haven't given over to God and he's like, give it to me. I want to make it better. I don't know where you're at. I'm going to give some time to you guys to talk to God and do some business with him. But don't hold back. Don't wait. If you don't haven't stepped in that relationship with God yet, do not. Wait, like the chains and freedom that I have experienced because I don't hold on to my sin anymore, you guys, is the best feeling I have ever experienced. And when I gave my life to Christ, when I was like, I'm done living it for myself, I'm going to live it for you, was the best experience. And when I just sit and I say, holy buckets, God, I have messed up and you still want me and you died for me and you love me, thank you. Can I just sit and praise you? I don't know where you're at. But come on, we have weeks for everybody else. Take this moment and just give it to God. And let him speak to you. And then when you're ready, and maybe when the band announces that you can help, sing along to a song that says, God, you gave me your life, so you take mine. 